and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Do you feel like you've not been able to make headway in achieving your goals? Or did you start the year pumped, ready to move forward on making things happen and simply lost your way? Things don't need to just get better. They actually can be better. In Design Your Dream Life, I'll show you a proven pathway to take you from where you are now to a life filled with joy, wholeness, success, and fulfillment. I'll give you the keys to not just developing a plan, but taking massive empowered action to make your dreams a reality. Turn roadblocks into stepping stones and leverage the power of gratitude and forgiveness. Let's face it, taking massive empowered action and making your dreams a reality isn't always easy. So I'll be there with you every step of the way. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com to purchase your copy of Design Your Dream Life, obtain resources and join our free community. Again, that's dreamlifetoolkit.com. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys, I feel like in this day and age, being an influencer, an influencer entrepreneur essentially is like every millennial's dream. We get out of school, we get our first job and we're like, well, I don't want to be here for the next three years. At least that's how I felt. And I know a lot of you have experienced the same and which is why you start your own business, which is why you reach out and think, all right, what are some other ways that I can bring in revenue into my family? And so today we're going to talk with somebody who has been successful on YouTube over the past six years. She is a college YouTuber, influencer, and entrepreneur, and she's grown her current channel to over 170,000 subscribers as she uploads weekly about women, lifestyle, empowerment, and productivity. You guys, she is somebody who had a dream, and despite what the world was telling her, she said yes to it, and years later, she's experiencing crazy success. So big Dreamcast welcome to Hannah Ashton. Hi, thank you so much, Denise, for having me. Well, I am so excited to hear your story because I know YouTube is searchable. People search it like a Google, right? So YouTube is its own kind of search engine these days, but it's also an ocean of information. So I'm really interested to hear how you're experiencing success today, but I know you probably didn't start there. So tell us a bit about what got you interested in even starting a YouTube channel. Yeah, like everyone, I had to start with that one subscriber and build from there. But I found YouTube when I was in late elementary school. So very young, right when it was started becoming a new thing around 2010. And I started watching other girls on there with their American Girl dolls do like reviews and hair tutorials and all those things. And I just loved the community that YouTube brought. It was one of you know the first social medias where I could feel like I was a part of some other girl's life from across the US or across the world. And so I loved that feeling I would get after school logging on and connecting and I wanted to be a part of it myself. So with parents' permission, I started posting my own stop motion tutorials and reviews of my American Girl dolls. And then 
I have just stuck with it all these years. I've still, I've loved YouTube. And so all throughout high school, I started posting videos about fashion and beauty and just high school related topics. And now that I'm in college, a lot of my content focuses around that. So like college week in my life or study routines, morning routines. And as I discovered the world of business and entrepreneurship in high school, I really dove into that aspect as well with my channel talking about female entrepreneurs and how I wanted to start a business and eventually did in college. But yeah, I started on in one genre of content and have kind of just grown my current channel to what it is today, which is mainly college lifestyle and business. I love that. Well, and I'm sure your audience has shifted and grown too, whereas they may have been kids with you, you know, in (laughs) high school, elementary school, they grew and now are kind of growing with you in the process. Yes, exactly. So my son makes, uh, he has a YouTube channel and he has 58 subscribers. He's very proud of himself. Nice. Um, he does U- he Minecraft videos and he did a video about riding his bike. I have a YouTube channel that I love to talk about, you know, goal setting and motivation and business stuff. And I was a clinical psychologist before this, so the emotional side of things. But what I find is that there has to be the balance between creating content that you want to create and creating content that people want to hear. So how do you decide what videos to do and and actually make sure they're seen? That is a huge question. And I think starting out, it can be hard to know if you don't have an audience, they can't tell you what they want. And so what I tell people starting out is to try all the things that you want, that you want to upload about whether, even if they're on totally different spectrums, like say you have a passion for cooking and art and for talking about you know what you do in your career life, try uploading videos for all those, but see what sticks. And then with whatever sticks, that's what I would niche your channel into. So for example, I focus a lot, like I said, on college. But since I also love posting videos about... I love talking about business. I decided I also wanted to add that pillar to my channel. And so I just started uploading videos about that, seeing how they reacted. And since it reacted well, I knew it was something that I could continue with. And that kind of adds the balance because it's still something I love to talk about. It's not just a random topic. I'm like, oh, this is trending. I should do this even though I have no interest in it. I'm having my side of it because it's a topic that I like to talk about, but it's getting validated by people watching the content as well. But like I said, starting out, try everything you've been interested in and see what sticks and then kind of niche down on that. Yeah. And so it sounds like listening to your community is important too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, especially if you're at the stage where I'm at where this is my job. And so I want to make sure that I'm producing content that they watch so that I can continue to do it as well. Right, right. So do you encourage people to comment below or do you have a Facebook group to get them off and engage? Like, how do you really get to know who your audience is? I've had a few different platforms. Of course, commenting on the video is great because it's right there. It's instant. So responding to as many comments as possible is always a goal of mine. I've had a Facebook group in the past, which I've seen other YouTubers start to do now as well. And for me, it wasn't as successful just because I am not a huge fan of Facebook and its interface. So it didn't work for me. But I, I do know it's working for others if you're active on Facebook. For me, where I engage with my followers a lot is on Instagram. So my DMs are always 
always open. They can DM me replying to one of my stories or about a recent video. I type out a message or even do a voice talk through Instagram to every one of them. And then also responding to every comment I get on my Instagram too. That's where I find it's much easier to relate personally with them. Because on YouTube, if they don't have a YouTube channel, I can't know much about them. But everyone on Instagram has their own Instagram account. And so if someone leaves a comment on Instagram, unlike YouTube, I can go to their page and kind of learn all about them, see about all about them. And it helps me in the future know who that person is watching, who is that person engaging with my content, because I can actually see their profile. So that's mainly where I connect. But I know other YouTubers who also have a podcast, which I've had in the past, or getting them on their email list too, are always YouTubers are kind of branching out and connecting other platforms. Right. Well, and it's smart because we know we don't want all our eggs in one basket, right? So taking the audience off YouTube and putting them somewhere else. So that way, heaven forbid something happens, you (laughs) feel like you still have your audience there. For sure. Yes. So what about research? Do you do any research into keywords and all of that kind of stuff? Or you really been able to just create content your audience is telling you you, they want to hear? I found at the stage that I'm at, I have the best success when I put out the content that my viewers want, no matter really the keywords. If it's a popular video, like a morning routine, it's going to do well. But for videos that maybe aren't as suggested, like right now I'm doing a series on how to start a business in 2020. And so it may not relate to all of my viewers, but it's something that I've wanted to put content out there for. So for kind of new video ideas is when I try to do a little bit of research and I do it mainly on on the YouTube platform itself. I use a tool called TubeBuddy, but that's TubeBuddy.com. And it allows you to actually, it's a browser extension and it allows you to go onto another person's video and see the tags and everything that they put because normally you don't see tags for another person's video. And I can see like which tags performed really well. And it also gives me suggestions when I'm on the YouTube uploading page, uploading my video, like we think this tag will do well. So I do use that tool, which it is free and anyone can use. And then I also just look at other YouTube channels that I like to watch and kind of seeing how people are reacting. I read the comments, I see, you know, people's opinions on their videos, and then kind of take that feedback from that's theirs and implement it into my channel, which is something free as well. It just takes a little bit of effort to kind of figure out what your target market for your videos, for those what those people are wanting and kind of how they're reacting to the content that's already out there. Yeah, it is interesting to think about not just your comment section, but going to another person's comment section that has a similar audience, because then that could give you ideas for videos that could tailor to your audience too. Absolutely. I do that for YouTubers that are in my niche, but yeah, just, you know, a little bit bigger, a couple hundred thousand subscribers more just to kind of see what's, what's going on over there too. Yeah, absolutely. So throughout the last six years, you've been growing your vlog channel and posting content consistently. What would you say has been a roadblock you didn't expect? I've seen a lot of plateaus over the past six years. So you think, oh, she's been uploading consistently for six years. Like that must be just crazy exponential growth. But I found my YouTube journey. Everyone's YouTube journey is different. Some people go viral. Some people spend years and years and years, you know, to reach a thousand. So everyone is different. But for me, I would have more like intense spikes of growth and then a plateau for many months. So when I got over the plateau, I was like at 60,000 subscribers and I had one video go viral that was uh, 20 habits of successful people, kind of like a girl boss 
habits video. And that I got on that hashtag girl boss trend kind of right at the beginning of it in 2017, I want to say. And so that video went viral and got over a million views. And so that spiked my growth up to over 100,000 subscribers. And then I find, found I was kind of stuck at a plateau of 100,000 for a while. And it took a few, you know, January goal setting motivation type videos to do really well to get me to where I am now. So I found that that has been one of the biggest roadblocks is you get great growth and you think it's going to be like that forever and it's not. Right. The cool thing is, is that you're consistently uploading. So not all are going to get a million views, but you are consistently feeding your current audience to stick with you. And then the one random, you know, viral video gives you more eyeballs on you. And then that community just continues to grow. Exactly. I think it's important to foster your community, no matter how big it is. Because you want those solid people there supporting you. So that the thing is, when you do have a viral video, you're getting all these new people who don't know anything about you. And so that those videos get a lot more hate comments, a lot more judgments. And it's always good to have you, you know, your core people there, your thousand people there who are going to watch your video every week, no matter what, and who know the real you to kind of support you during that time. Absolutely. So do you do all your own editing? I do. Yes. I've always done my own editing and filming even for my podcast. Okay. How did you learn that? Mainly YouTube videos, I would say. <laughs> I started out uh, using iMovie. And so I, I would see another YouTuber do like a cool editing trick or something like this, a unique transition or cool color correcting job. And then I would just Google how to add this type of transition into iMovie. And then now I'm on Final Cut Pro, which allows a little bit more with editing. And so whenever I'm trying to figure out something, even today, I'll just Google, you know, how to add a fade in text overlay and final cut, you know, whatever you're looking for and follow those tutorials. Yeah, there's so much you can really learn for free these days. How long does it take you to create a video? For something like a week in the life vlog, I'm vlogging every day for probably at least 30 minutes, uh, 40 minutes of footage overall. So maybe like 10 minutes a day or so. But I would say then for a sit down video, I'm usually recording for 30 minutes at a time. So we'll just say 30 to 40 minutes of filming for one video. And then editing wise, it depends if it's a vlog or a sit down, but at least an hour. Usually I'll sit down for one hour at a time and do all the basic edits. And then I always like leaving the content and coming back to it at a later time, whether it's that day or in a few days, just getting you know a break from it and coming back to it with fresh eyes to kind of see, oh, I actually need to add a little bit more text here, or it'd be good to add a transition here. And so probably in total, about three hours for a video between filming and editing. And for me with editing, I've since I've done it so frequently and so often, I know a lot of shortcuts. So maybe for someone just starting out, editing would take a little bit longer. But yeah, I would say about three hours per video. Awesome. And you're in school right now too, is that right? Yes. I'm a sophomore um, in college studying entrepreneurship. Oh, I was going to say, what are you what are you studying? Okay. So that fits right in, doesn't it? Yes. I love it. So one question I know a lot of people ask is how do you actually make money posting videos? I say there are three ways for YouTubers to make money within the YouTube platform. So not considering merch or outside products or anything. One of those is through Google ads, which YouTube provides. It's the ads we see play before a video. And so a YouTuber will have a specific, um, it's called a CPM cost per thousand views is kind of what that is. But that's dependent on a lot of different factors for the YouTuber. But so some YouTubers, like if you're more popular, if you have a higher watch time, you'll have a higher CPM. And so that means that whenever someone watches the advertisement that plays on your video all the way through, or they click on the ad, you'll get paid that CPM. And so that is the first way that YouTubers make money is just through the ads and through having a high CPM and having people watch and click on the ads. And then the second way would be through brand sponsorships. 
So that's just your brand integration. You know, you see a YouTuber talking about a product normally towards the beginning of a video, they are getting paid their rate for probably that two to three minute segment. Or if it's the whole video, they're getting paid a higher rate. But brand sponsorships would be the second. And then third would just be affiliate links. So a lot of YouTubers utilize things like Amazon affiliates, or you'll see fashion bloggers linking their clothing and their makeup products. And then so if someone buys a product through their their link in the description box, they'll get a percentage of that sale. So those are the three main ways that YouTubers get paid on the platform. Awesome. And how the heck do you get connected to brands? I think that's the interesting thing is you see a lot of people doing it and you just wonder, how do you learn to do it? How do you learn? How do you get there? How do you actually connect with, you know, with the brand? Are they often coming to you or have you figured like, is there management for this kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah, there's a, it's a little bit of all above. So when I first started out, I it was kind of again at the newness of YouTube. So it wasn't talked about a lot like, oh, YouTubers are getting paid for brand sponsorships. And so I waited till a brand reached out to me and was like, hey, we'll send you these products if you talk about them and kind of went from there. Nowadays, what I recommend for young YouTubers is you may get brands pitched to you. They may show up in your inbox, but they're probably not brands you love or already use. They may just be more, you know, the brands that kind of, they reach out to everyone. And so what I say for them to do is to think about the products they use every day in their everyday life, whether it's a coffee creamer or a mascara, whatever it may be, especially if you use something from like a smaller company company, this will help you as well. But then to reach out to them. So find their email on their Instagram or on their um, website, whoever is their marketing, advertising, PR person, find their email and pitch yourself to them as a micro influencer and say, you know, I talk about your product all the time on my channel already. I would love compensation for this next time. Or if you just want to send me six months worth of products, I'd love to continue putting it in my blog, something like that. So show them that you love the product already and that you're a user of it. And then that's going to, you know, be be able to leverage yourself with that because they obviously want people promoting their products that actually love them. But what I do is I get, I do that myself or brands will reach out to me and I'll kind of try their products see what I think, see if it's a good fit for an upcoming video. But there is also management and networks. So you can have a network with your YouTube channel, which kind of is like the middleman in between you and YouTube. So they take a percentage of your Google AdSense every month, but you also can talk to one of their one of their employees about any problems you may be having with like a copyright strike or flush out video ideas or talk about, you know, new YouTube programs you want to be a part of. And then there's also management as well. So just like an agent would be for a celebrity, you have a manager and they pitch you to brands or find brands um, for you to work with and then take a percentage of that sponsorship rate. So you can do it yourself or have a team. I've done both, but starting out, obviously, it's good to learn how to do it yourself. Awesome. Well, and I think then you can really learn what people are looking for. You are talking with them directly and you can hear what they really want and incorporate that into your videos. Do you have Mm -hmm. a video that, that got a good amount of engagement or views that surprised you? I would say a lot of them surprised me starting out. I've, I used to always say that it was the videos that I didn't think that would do well that actually did perform really well. And so for that one, one video of mine, one of my most viral ones, the 20 Habits of Successful People, I had never done a video like that. I got the idea from a blog post and kind of just was like, okay, I wonder if I could kind of turn this into video form with my own ideas. And so apparently that title, I never titled a video like that either, but it did very, very well. And so that was surprising, but I 
I kind of use that now. I've done like four other versions of that video. And so that's been great. Yeah. Well, that brings me to titles and thumbnails. And it's interesting if you're just a normal YouTube user, (laughs) you don't quite realize that those things are so stinking important, not only for the searches, pulling up on suggested, like when people say, how do you, you know, you want to be able to pull up, but to capture people's attention and things too. So tell me a little bit about what you've learned with thumbnails and titles. Titles, thumbnails, description box, and tags are all important for the YouTube algorithm and to tell YouTube what your video is about so they can put it in front of the right people, the people who are actually searching for what your video is about. And so for titles, I always say you want to make sure it's not too long, but it also explains what the video is about and includes keywords, a keyword being morning routine or how to is a keyword. Um, And so you don't want to be too specific that no one's searching for it. Think about if I put on my YouTube channel, my, (laughs) I used to always say, don't put my as your first keyword. Cause when you think about someone searching on YouTube, they don't put my in at the beginning of their search. It's just college morning routine or productivity hacks something like that. So those are the kinds of things you want to think about for the title. Like what are people actually putting in the YouTube search bar when trying to find a video like mine? And then for the description box, the first few lines of it are the most important. So you kind of want to summarize your video in a few sentences there talking about, again, putting in those keywords. So YouTube see those. And then in your tags, you also want to include those keywords. And a mistake I see a lot of people make in their tags is you're not supposed to do individual words. You're kind of supposed to do alternate titles. So for example, I'll just stick with the morning routine. Instead of doing morning space, new tag, routine, new tag, 2020, new tag, you would do morning routine in college 2020 as a whole tag. And so that's going to help with your algorithm as well. But then for thumbnails, of course, keeping them consistent, just like you would an Instagram feed or something like that. So using the same colors and fonts. So when someone goes to your channel, it looks cohesive and like you put a lot of effort into it and they know you're, you're the real deal. And everyone's thumbnails kind of change. Some people like to put little text or no text. Some people like a lot of text. I will tell you the one thing across the board that performs best is having faces in your thumbnails, whether that's your face or someone else's who's in your video's face. People react well. You can even see this on Instagram photos. Um, They react better to both photos and thumbnails with faces in them. So if you can include that anywhere in your thumbnail, that's great as well. What program do you use for your thumbnails? I use canva.com, which is what I use for like all my graphics and it's free, which is great. Yeah. I love Canva too. I was a clinical psychologist turned business owner. So design was not something I knew I I didn't know I needed to learn. (laughs) Using Canva and trying to play around and figure stuff out. It's been an adventure. Yeah. It's great. So you have the the internal YouTube monetization, but then you also have created external products. So tell us about the Dream Achieve Workbook. I launched this in June of 2019 because in my freshman year of college, I found that I was using two different planners, one for my school assignments and that had a to-do section and then one for YouTube and that had more of like a time blocking, lay out your day by the hour section. And I thought if I ever created a product that went along with my YouTube channel, I would it wanted to actually give value to my viewers, not just a t-shirt, 
not just stickers or anything like that. And so I realized that the content they kept asking for me was about goal setting, time management, how I stay productive in college. And I thought, okay, if I created a planner implementing these two strategies that I loved to use, meaning having a to-do list and time blocking every day, I think this would be a great, great product for my viewers as well as they're kind of in the same boat and wanting the same thing. So I created the Dream Achieve Workbook Planner and launched it in June. And so what it is currently is a goal setting workbook. So it's going to help you prioritize your time and figure out what you want to focus on. And then it's a six month undated planner. So you can start it whenever and go through, you know, your priorities and your goals that you set in the beginning through the next six months. And it's sold on my work on my website, which is shophannahashton.com. And it's $35. So I tried to keep it at the price, you know, of a luxury planner, but also affordable for college students. And I'm excited to also launch some new products this year as well for it. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you, because I've created some books myself. I've got the Design Your Dream Life, which is a workbook um, that helps basically it combines science, scripture, and stories. I say to take you from where you are to where you want to be. And there's exercises throughout. And it took me longer than expected to actually get it in the hands of my audience. And so I always love to hear the backstory of some of these projects because I they're typically not all smooth sailing. Oh yeah, definitely not. I was very intimidated to do this. Before I created this, I've only done digital goods. So I did some like YouTube courses and talking and podcasting. And I also have done some in-person events, but I still consider that more of like a service. And so doing a physical product really scared me. I didn't know where to start, but I had the idea in September of my freshman year and just did a ton, a ton of research and got talked to older students in the entrepreneurship center, talked to professors, went to Google, read books, podcasts, all of the free resources that I could acquire about even just how to use InDesign to create the design and layout of these pages, which I did myself. And then, you know, how do I find a manufacturer? How do I calculate my margins and create a Shopify and all these things? I really just took it step by step. um, Because at the beginning, I was very overwhelmed by all that it would take. And I just laid out everything started on one task and was like, okay, I'm going to get figure this out first, and then worry about the rest and just kept doing that all through my freshman year really dove deep into the production of it, I would say in January of, let's see, that was 2019. And yeah, just tried to keep myself on a timeline as much as possible, which is how I find I'm able to kind of push things out without getting overwhelmed or feeling like this is never going to end and it's never going to happen. But I was so happy for, for that launch in June. And yeah, it was just, it was a great experience. I would not give it up for anything. I, I love YouTube and I love content creation, but this has definitely shown me that I also love the business side, kind of just the entrepreneurial journey as well. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Cause it takes grit to keep going. You know, it takes grit to learn mm-hmm. a new skill. It takes grit to ask and learn and, and continue to grow. So good work. A couple more questions for you. Tell me where you see this going for you, because you're learning all about starting a business in that program. You have an audience now. Tell us a little bit about like what's next. I pretty much always thought to myself, I don't want to be a full-time YouTuber. And so that's kind of what's led me to think about starting a business and starting that. And so right now I say I'm a YouTuber with a business, but I want to eventually get to the part where I can run my business full-time, and but also show the life of a business owner and especially a young female business owner through my YouTube channel. And so I'm a sophomore this year. So I have a few more years of school. Love to get more experience through internships, working in startups, kind of understanding that scale and then 
hopefully continue to create tools for driven young women um, in my business and kind of show show that journey on my channel as well. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So we know that in order to pour out and create so much content, you have to be poured in. <laughs> you have to you have to fill yourself up, right? So tell mm-hmm. us what is one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? I make sure to have at least an hour every morning for myself. I say this for high, in high school, for college women, working women, I think having some time in the morning before you dive into the overwhelm of your day, whether that's overwhelm of working for other people, for college students, you know, going to class and worrying about assignments and all these things. I love when I get up first thing in the morning to put on music that I like, make yourself your favorite drink or food for breakfast, coffee. And then I sit down and I do my devotion read my Bible, also do like some gratitude journaling. I just list out five things that I'm grateful for that day and give myself then, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get ready, however slow I want to be in the morning and just having that extra hour. It takes a lot to get up, but once I'm out of bed, then I really appreciate it. Awesome. Tell me a bit about your content creation schedule strategy. Like, do you do it all in one day? Do you batch it? How do you do it? You would think after doing this for so many years, I would have a better better routine and schedule. Right now on my channel, since so much of the content that people are wanting from me is just lifestyle-based, just based on like how I'm feeling that day, vlogs, week in the lives, that kind of thing. I find that I'm just filming when I feel like it, honestly, which for me is usually every other day. I want to talk to a camera just because I've been doing it for so long. If you're not that way and you're kind of wanting to put together like a series or content that's more informative, then what I would recommend doing is taking, yeah, one day a week where you know there's going to be great lighting. So whether that's Sunday afternoons or mornings in your house, you know, wherever your wind fire windows has the best lighting to sit down and for at least an hour kind of film two to three videos if you can. And then I just find editing time throughout my week. Usually it's at in the evening, especially in high school, I had to take my evenings. That's what I would do around dinner time and just spend 30 minutes to an hour every night editing. Don't do it every day, but enough so that I can get at least one video out a week. What do your parents think about the YouTube world you ventured into? It's funny because uh, my, my they're both super supportive, which I'm very thankful for. And it, I know that was a huge help for me starting out, especially doing it so young. Um, my mom, she loves following her bloggers and all these things. And so she loves that I'm a part of that. My dad has never been into social media. He watches YouTube occasionally, but I don't. I think now he's starting to grasp as he watches and finds more YouTubers in his, what he likes to watch, just how big mine's kind of grown, like just this past week. And he's like, wait, how he asked me the same questions. How do you make money from YouTube? Like, what if I wanted to start a YouTube channel? How do I do this? Or how many subscribers do you have now? So I think he's starting to kind of realize the the growth of it and how and how the world's kind of going in this content focused space. So they're amazing. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You I mean, because it is, it's so out of the, what we were taught, you know, what our parents were taught. It's very um, new, which is fun, but I'm sure it's a learning curve for them too. Yeah. So last question is, what are your, some of your favorite books? What have you read in the past that you just like still cling to? Or maybe what are you reading now? So one of my favorite books is a coffee table book, but it also has some great value. And it's called In the Company of Women. 
And it is a gorgeous book, but it also features, I think, like over a hundred stories of women entrepreneurs and artists, makers, uh, you know, TV stars, just whoever they may be. And it shares like what their workspaces look like. It shares their advice, their dreams, their passions. So whenever I need some quick inspiration, I just open that book and read one or two stories and I'm automatically inspired. And let's see, a book that I'm reading now that has been very eye-opening is To Hell with the Hustle. And it's a new book. It came out in 2019. And it's kind of saying how the hustle, go, go, go culture is you know, tearing us down bit by bit and how we need to make sure we're taking time to rest and to have a Sabbath and to nurture ourselves. And so for me, someone who's very goal oriented, it's good to have that reminder through that book. So yeah, those are some, one of my favorites and then a recent read. Awesome. I love it. Well, you guys absolutely check out shophannahashton.com for the Dream Achieve Workbook. We are goal getters. We know what we want, but we need the strategy, the plan, the discipline, and then the, the roadmap to go get it. And it seems like that planner is a great asset for all of us to help us achieve our goals. Yes, so thank you, thank Hannah, you. for sharing your wisdom. I'm so proud and excited for what you've already accomplished within your journey, but know that this is just the beginning for you as you continue to add value to the world and create content that helps people design the life that they want. Um, you're teaching people that it's possible because you're doing it yourself. Thank you. I love that. Thank you for giving us this podcast. Love any resource for women entrepreneurs. It's great. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have an amazing day. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.